We are now live. Praise the Lord. Right. How's everybody? Good, good. Thank you. I am so tired. Uh, we finished grouting last night. I don't know if I should be using God's time to talk about that, but anyway, I'm here, and to God be the glory. And uh, I'm thinking early today, what would it be like for you to see Jesus face to face and not even be in heaven? What would that be like for you to see him and reminisce with him? Oh, there's Jesus and walk up to him, our Lord, and just have the most beautiful conversation that you can ever have. You mean, and that feel normal or? Yeah, and, and, and be normal. That, oh, are you talking about how when he was on this earth, how? Yeah, what, what would that be like, you know? Because I'm not so sure that the generation that he came to realized what they had that no other generation on earth didn't have. That generation was probably, I, I'm, I'm just talking, probably the most blessed generation out of all mankind. But the thing was, it was at the weakest, I mean, wickedest time where everybody was just kind of thinking somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. And so God came, as, as Paul says, at the fullness of time. And in order for us to understand that, I guess God's timing is perfect. It's the best way to say it, right? Yeah. And so, but what if he came today in the 21st century and said, I just want to spend time with my children? What, what what that would be like without having to by, go by way of Bethlehem and grow up, but be like when he called his first disciples, he was already an adult. They were already adults. The youngest one was probably in his late teens, uh, John, 17, 18 years old. And imagine seeing Lord Jesus like that. And John was. John was one of the first ones to lay eyes on him because he had become a disciple of John the Baptist. John and Andrew had. At a young age. At a young age. And so it was John the Baptist who had introduced Jesus, uh, well, the boys, right. saying, look, behold the Lamb of God. And they lay eyes upon him. Mm-hmm. And immediately they say to him, Rabbi, where are you going? Where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. Very gentle, very kind, not pressing. And they joined him. They were happy teenagers. Oh, okay, we're coming. And they run and they, they spend the rest of the afternoon with him. And that must have been something for these fishermen from the north, from Galilee, to spend time with God and didn't even know it. But they had to feel it more than Yeah, they had to know that his presence was different than any other person on earth. And I don't know how many people that they had come in contact with, but by being fishermen, 
They probably came in contact with quite a few people who were buying their fish. But when they came in contact with him, when John made the introduction, when John identified Jesus being the Lamb of God, so those young men were so excited that they got that personal invitation by Lord Jesus, and they had no idea that they would end up being his disciples, to be taught up close and personal by him. Wow. Woo, yes, glory to God. Thinking about Father like that, the love of God radiating. And see, Crystal, that's what God likes us to do. He, he likes us thinking outside of the box so that we can, through that, by the Holy Spirit, able to make the connection. And equally, on the day of Pentecost, think about that a little over three and a half years into the future now. Our Lord is back in heaven. And you got 120 people assembled in an upper room. And they are waiting for the promise of the Father, what Lord Jesus had told them. And they're waiting. And they, they didn't know what day he was going to show up, but he did tell them. He said, not many days from now. Mm -hmm. Right? Because their little worlds had been, in a sense, crushed as they saw the Lord ascend back to heaven from the Mount of Olives. And... We're thinking about that. <clears throat> so they're, they're waiting in Jerusalem, like he said, and all of a sudden, the greatest wonder on earth, the, the greatest wonder that the earth had ever experienced shows up. Because remember, here's what we got to get. And it, it, this blows my mind that before Jesus was man, before he was in the flesh, he was what? Yes. And as we look back at as we look back at the creation account, as we look back and we see that, it's and the Spirit of God did what? Hovered over the face of the deep. And it kind of gives us an image of when the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a dove and landed upon Jesus. That's kind of like the image that, that we receive here by him hovering over the waters on the earth. And yet now he shows up huge. And these 120 people are there, and even though they had the love of Jesus and had the presence of our Lord with them, I mean, this is just incredible to have the Lord. And he had promised them, he said, I would not leave you as orphans. Right? So what does that mean then? How do we reconcile that? How do we connect the dots on that? I will not leave you orphans, but I will come to you again. He did. He came in the form of Holy Spirit. That blows my mind. And once again, it puts us in that realm of not knowing the details of what that's like. And how often does God show up like that in the spirit? And we're going, wow. And you just got that one-on-one -on -one encounter with the Lord. Or it could be a group of you sitting down talking about the Lord. And all of a sudden, the spirit of God just, you know, he's just overwhelming and loving. And the love of God is just bubbling up. 
and you. And they go, wow. I was driving today to Gainesville, and I was singing, and that's the only time I get to do it out loud and don't get criticized, okay? <laughs> and all of a sudden, tears begin to flow because I'm experiencing the presence of God in the Spirit. And I'm singing to the Lord. And what happens is Crystal and Big Brother and Sister Vicki is that we get those moments when Lord Jesus said, those who love me and keep my commandments, he said, I will manifest myself to them. That means there's a visitation. And he didn't tell us how often that will happen, but he did say, I will come and manifest myself to him or to her. And wow. Yes, well, we should be prepared. And that's another thing that's been on my heart lately, and I got to share it with you. And I, and I know we got to get on with Bible study, but this is Bible study because I'm giving you the scriptures. Amen. In a more um, theatrical way, I guess, in a sense. But what's been puzzling my heart lately is when Moses, them, when they went to the tabernacle, they expected the presence of God. And they saw the presence of God. And I've been asking, has that changed? I was sitting in that chair earlier today, and I had the, the most gentle rebuke of the Lord. And I guess you can call it rebuke or gentle admonishment of the Lord. I was sitting in that green chair crystal and that thought just got me. If someone walks in your house and you're sitting in your den and that person doesn't address you and you being the homeowner and the head of your house, you would say something. Can I help you? Yeah, can I help you? Or you didn't say hello or something. You didn't acknowledge me sitting here. And boys turn around. And the same thought came upon me today. You walked into my house, Samuel. And I'm sitting here and you didn't even acknowledge me. And that's when he brought on my heart. If someone walked into your house and then acknowledge you, how would you feel? And the only thing I could say, Crystal, sitting there going, wow. <laughs> and then I mean, say, hello, Lord. <laughs> because this is God's house. And so when we walk in, we should not be so distracted that we can't say hello in our layman terms, as we like to say it. Uh, to say hello to the man of the house. Amen. In this case, God's, who's God of his house, the Lord 
of his house and acknowledge him. So I got to be careful and give honor to God every time I come in his house. Because if I walked into your house and you're sitting in your favorite chair and I just walked in and started doing stuff and not even acknowledging your presence, you would say, Sammy, uh, can I help you? Oh, hey there, Deacon and me, how are you? Hi. It would be strange. It, it would be strange. Well, we do it all the time to God, and we never even think about it, acknowledging him. And so when Moses, them showed up to the tabernacle, they knew God was present. And Moses, I assure you, would not have bust up in there, and I'm using everyday language now, would not have bust up in there, hey, what's going on, how y'all doing, and just start doing this thing, right? And the Almighty is there. I don't think it went too well for Moses. What do you think? If Aaron would have walked in, got to kill some sheep today. Okay, here we go again. Well, why didn't y'all clean that spill blood? Walk in just fussing like I do some Get that straight. Get this. Right? And God is there. Look. Yeah. No, we wouldn't do that because his presence is so powerful. And real. And real. And that's where we got to start looking at him. His presence is powerful and real. Lord Jesus, his church has to always know that his presence is powerful and real. Amen. And with that, let's pray. Father, we come to you now in the precious name of your son, Jesus. We are acknowledging you, Lord God. And we're professing you before heaven and earth. And we're saying, Lord God, hallowed be thy name. Forgive us for not coming in and giving you the glory and the honor that your name rightly deserved. And Lord Jesus, even though you are the gentle Lamb of God, you're still the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we must revere you. I, Samuel, is the greatest neglecter of giving you honor and glory. And for that, Lord, I repent and ask you by your spirit to work with me. Be gentle with me, Lord. And help me to focus on you. Your children here, Crystal and Miss Vicky and Dick and Amelia, little Michael and Skylar and Matthew, we love you. And we don't mean to bring the activities of the day in here and, and not give you honor and glory that you rightly deserve. 
And so, Lord, will you allow your presence to continue to be with us? Will you allow your spirit to resonate in us and speak to us and guide us, Lord Jesus? And when you help us to fix our eyes upon you, the author and finisher of our faith, and Lord, for those that are walking by, trying to figure out what's going on on the inside, will your spirit touch them and let them know that what's going on in here is the testimony of Jesus Christ, which is the word of prophecy. Lord, we speak and ask you, Will you be mindful of Israel today? Will you visit Israel once again? We know that your salvation still remains in Israel. It's available for all of Israel. Will you now by your spirit move their hearts to your son, Jesus, Father? Because truly he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to you, not even Israel, unless they come by way of your son, Jesus. And Lord, for these United States, will you do the same here? A nation that calls itself a Christian nation, and you said, blessed is the nation who the Lord is their God. My Father, most of our countrymen have walked away from you and walked away from that understanding. But for those who don't know, Father, what they're doing, we're asking that by your spirit that you would draw them to your son, Jesus, by the hearing of your gospel. And tonight, Lord, as we examine your word, as the Holy Spirit teaches us about unknown tongues, Lord, will you help us to be good students tonight? Because a true disciple wants to be like their master, their teacher. Lord, will you help us, Lord Jesus, to be your good disciple? Because we do want to be like you, but we can't do it on our own, Lord. We need you. So, Father, we, we give your name all the honor and all the glory. And for those that are here in this Bible study, we're asking that your spirit speak to their hearts as you take us on the journey through time as we look at Paul sitting there writing this letter to the Corinthian church. We ask now, Lord, that every heart that hear this gospel will be moved and pricked and Lord, and submiss it to you. It's in your precious name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 I want to get a better understanding of 1 Corinthians 14 myself. Uh, many years I have studied this, this passage, these passages of scriptures, and they still are an enigma, that mystery that causes so much confusion among men. Uh, let me correct that. Uh, they, the scriptures do not cause confusion. Men cause confusion. Okay? And because they don't examine the scriptures carefully and know that 
The scriptures does not require any human personal interpretation. The interpretation comes from the Lord himself. Amen. And so it's his gospel. The Holy Ghost gave it to men whom he inspired. And so he understands his own word. So tonight he's going to teach us. And the first thing on his agenda in this chapter is to pursue what? Love. It's amazing how Paul had just concluded the love chapter. Okay? But yet he starts the new chapter out, as we call it. It's one consistent letter when you read it in the Greek. There are no chapter breaks and headings and none of that stuff, no verses. It's just one continuous letter. But as you see that, we see him telling them, pursue love. Now, this word in the Greek, it actually means to have an ardent passion, to go after it with everything in you. And the, 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 the closest thing that I can tell you, uh, let's use a couple of examples about this word pursue as he's addressing it. He's all right, everybody. Just let the spirit have that baby. Children was around when Jesus was teaching and they were okay. It's okay. It's all right. Um, pursue love. When you lay eyes upon a lady that you want to marry, you know that in your heart of heart, I want to spend my life with her or that gentleman. Something inside you happens. And it's not just emotions. Okay? And what you haven't been taught is that that deep yearning, that deep desire is spiritual. That's the spiritual you. Want to go after her spirit and connect and become one with her or with him. Okay? Because, believe it or not, your five emotions or five senses uh, will put brakes on and say, whoa, we're not so sure about this. Okay? But the real you, the inner you said, oh, I really want to get to know her. Oh, I really want to have a relationship with her. Okay? And it gives you that yearning. It gives you that will to go after that person. And we come up with different kind of schemas Okay, to go after the person, to get their attention, to let them know that, hey, I'm the one. You need to be with me. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Okay, and that's the way God does it too by the Spirit. We know that by the working of God's Spirit, that's how we go out the Lord Jesus. Otherwise, we're lost people with our inner sense of direction to God. Okay. And that's where people come up with all these different religions and different ideologies of how they think God is and how they're to pursue God, right? Or gods and from their point of view. But the Spirit of God 
push that desire, that, that, that yielding, that, that will to pursue God himself, and he does it by love. And so Paul's saying, don't forget the first element of believing. The first element of believing God is to love God. Okay? And so, and he's reminding this girl, this, this church in current, because there was so much states of confusion going on. And if you ever want to see a model of what Christianity is supposed to look like, well, turn the mirror backwards and say, that's current. <laughs> that's what it didn't look like. <laughs> okay? And Paul had to very gentle at times and even asserted, tell them, this is what you need to be doing. Okay? The answers to a man's problem lies in the glory of God himself. Jesus. Jesus Christ is the glory of God. Okay? And Jesus Christ is the personification of God's love that was manifested. And so Paul is saying, pursue love. You can't pursue something if you don't know anything about it. But it, it, he puts a target out there for you, and once you see that target of God's presence, God's goodness, God's glory, who's Jesus himself, Paul said, now go after it with everything in you. And when we're able to do that, it is at that moment that our own little world tumbles down around us. Our own ways of thinking about things crashes. And then God began to build a new foundation in us and build us up. He uses the word build up a lot in this letter. He calls it edifying or edification. Okay, in other words, in, in the book of Ephesians, he says build up. Okay, another way to talk about foundational things is saying being rooted and grounded. Okay, so it's amazing how Lord Jesus does this, and he told the church in Rome this. He said, for the love of God has been poured out into your heart by the Holy Spirit. So it is, that's why I said, we don't understand that it all begins in the spirit realm. The Holy Spirit himself is the one who brings this love from the Father directly to you and me. Amen. And so if we're to pursue this love, as Paul is telling us, then we must have the company of the Holy Spirit. And if we're going to have his company, don't you think maybe we need to understand who he is? Amen. Because the Lord Jesus did pray to the Father to send him, and he's here. And so once we get that understanding who he is, then we can ask him for help and say, Holy Spirit, you told me to love Lord Jesus this way. Lord Jesus left a word here, a, a, a instructional manual, the word of God, so that not only am I able to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, love my neighbor as myself, but I'm to love Lord Jesus also by keeping his commandments, and I'm to also carry out the new commandment by loving one another with the love that he loves me well. However, this is still a mystery to me, so this mystery needs to be unfolded in my mind, in my heart. 
so that I can take baby steps in beginning this. And when I'm able to stand up and run, I'm running towards that mark of love, that, that mark of excellence that Paul really talks about in the book of Philippians in chapter 3, in telling us to stretch your body on out, get on out there and press towards the mark of the higher calling in Christ Jesus. And, you know, that means you're stretching your body beyond measure to get there. And so this first part, and you notice we only covered two words so far. It's just, this is what we call idiosyncrasy, Miss Vicky. when I'm grabbing those and touching. My wife said I do it all the time when I'm preaching and teaching. Uh, that's me. Uh, I get nervous, believe it or not. Um, so you, you stretched out like a runner reaching for the finish line. And you got to hit that, 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 that mark, that line before the other competitor, the other racers. So Paul said you got to stretch yourself out towards Jesus in that pursuit of him, pursue love. Those two words, very, very powerful, probably though the most overlooked in this chapter. Because the focus had been so much on chapter 13 about the, the three gifts that, you know, the most prominent ones, but yet love. When it gets to this part, it, once you understand love, Jesus, chasing him with everything you got, then it's able, you're able to transition on over to the next thing that he's talking about. And it's kind of like, okay, I'm behind the wheel and I'm driving like Miss Vicky, you know. <clears throat> okay. And you're driving towards that mark. You own the target. Okay. You know your destination. I got to get Jesus. Kind of like the lady who had the disease. Remember we talked about it a little bit? For 12 years, right? She had her eyes fixed on who? She was pursuing him, wasn't she? Even though there was a crowd of people around him, because the disciples said, what do you mean who touched you? There's a throng, in other words, a crowd pressing in on you. How can you say who touched you? Right, that lady boy, she was pressing. Only if I can just touch the hem of his. She was pressing. And this is the idea that it's in. So once you get there, once you start pressing and you touch him, then you're able through love graduate on to the other things that he's getting ready to talk about in this chapter. And as we're looking at this, so pursue love and desire spiritual what? Spiritual gifts. Okay? If you notice thing here in this first part of this chapter and this first verse, everything is spiritual. You cannot see it with the human eye. So in order to understand this first part, this first prepositional part here, is that we must understand the working of Holy Spirit himself. Because this whole little section, chapter 12, 13, and 14, is all about the working of who? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. And if we, if we don't understand him, okay, he's not a concept, he's not an idea. He's the real professor of God on earth teaching us. Not only is he the real professor of God teaching us, but he's also the real designer of God on earth. 
making things happen. He's also the real engineer of God, building things, okay? And he's the real power of God, the real authority of God on earth. As we pray in Jesus' name, the Holy Spirit, he's so wonderfully and so graciously and so invisibly carrying out those things of God on earth. Is everybody able to grab that now? He's the invisible God on earth. Okay? And it doesn't mean he's not here. And that's why Paul says in his letter to the church in Ephesus, in chapter 4 there, he says, it, it Grieve not the Holy Spirit. And he has real feelings. Uh, uh, Zor, you don't like your feelings crushed, am I correct? You're kind of a very fragile person, yes? Uh, imagine the Spirit of God being the most powerful person in the universe, yet he's the, so easily to be offended. And you're going, wow, how, how is that possible? Do you want to find out? Because why would he have Paul write that if it wasn't true? And also, Peter showed us over in Acts that he also can kill you. In Psalms 104, David writes, he says, when God sends forth his spirit, things are created. And when God withdraws his spirit, things ceases to exist. Wow. So without the spirit of the Lord, no life can exist. None. So he's telling us now, not only are we to run out the love, but we're also to desire, to crave and, and in fact, I, if I had my Greek Bible here, I believe, I, mean, I want to look up that word desire and see. I know y'all can still hear me because I got a big mouth. Okay. And let's see. I'm going to see what that actually is. And... Um, We can get a little close examination here of God's Word. Okay. Okay, so it's not epithelial, which I thought. Sometimes the word for lust can also be translated as desire, but it's not that word that's used there. Um, but he said desire spiritual things. What did, what did Paul just do with the mindset of the Corinthians in the church there? What did he just do when he said desire spiritual things? 
He shifted them, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, that brother in the spirit. He shifted them from earthly things to where? Spiritual, where at? Heaven. That means he put their minds back at the throne room of who? Of God. Wow, because the Corinthians were very cardinal people. It's like you and I today. We see everything around us is earthly. It's, it has its physical manifestations. So even our five senses tell us that if it's not in a sense where uh, one of our senses can detect it, then we don't want to believe it's there. Okay? But Paul said you got to go beyond the physical realm. There's another dimension that's greater than this one and even larger than this one. And that is the very presence of God on his throne where everything in the universe, everything flows out from the throne of God. Um, I, I had a blessing of the Lord to go back and e examine in the book of Ezekiel chapter 47 as I was examining um, this chapter um, he was telling about how the water is flowing out of the temple and uh, I really appreciated the Lord for allowing me to do that because it was a reminder that everything flows out from God new life okay when the water is flowing it's bringing healing uh, Lord Jesus told us in Revelation chapter 22 about the river of life you know, it tells us, he said, come and drink. He said, even a bride, the church is saying, come and drink. The spirit says, come and drink. Okay, so Paul is shifting where everything that has to do with the source of life, which is God himself, Paul is saying, that's where your attention needs to be. And that's where you need, that, this is what you need to be desiring. Okay? And, um, uh, So, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. All right? He's pointing back to what he's already discussed in chapter 12, the spiritual gifts. And we can ask the Holy Spirit because that means that we get a chance to ask him. So, the word desire means you got to want them. And so, if you want them, you just ask him. Ask him. Uh, Holy Ghost. Can I have the gift of faith? Or can I have the gift, whatever it is that's listed there in your design? Boy, I really want that gift. Okay? Yes. And desire any gift that God wants to give you. Okay? Ask the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name to appropriate that gift for you. Because he's the giver of the gifts. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> to God be the glory. And they say, but especially that you may what? In verse 1 there. You may what? Look at your text. Prophesy. Okay. Here, uh, this is not necessarily speaking. I mean, uh, you're talking about the future. This is talking, uh, this is referring to teaching and preaching 
You're giving out the word of God. You're encouraging one another. You're prophesying. You're speaking godly things. You're speaking heavenly things. You're speaking things from the throne of God. You're speaking things from the Lamb of God, okay, by the Spirit of God. And he said, let, get, get to it. Get to talking, okay? Especially prophesy. Go tell somebody. Thus said the Lord, okay? Amen. And, and allow the Spirit to, to, to move you to do that. Once you, once you see that happening, you go, wow, did I just say that? Uh, well, it didn't come from you. Yeah, it came from God by way of the Holy Spirit. Who was the one prophesied in the Bible before Lord Jesus even went to the cross? One of the disciples. And he didn't even know he had it. Uh, when they asked him, who do you think? He's on it. Look at that brother from the Holy Ghost. Yes, when, when Lord Jesus asked the question, who do men say that I am? Okay, and they gave different answers, and then he made the, the question very personable. And he said, who do you say that I am? the Christ. And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. <laughs> wow. And Lord Jesus told him, where did it come from? Flesh and blood didn't give you this. In other words, nothing on earth gave you this, Peter. But my Father, Spirit, the Spirit, Amen. God is Spirit, remember? He gave you Peter. Peter just prophesied a word from God, didn't he? And didn't even know it. So you're saying the word prophecy here is different than a prophet. You got it. Okay. Okay. So speak. You know the word of God. Speak it. And as the Holy Spirit gives you insight, speak it. Okay. Speak it. That's what he's saying doing, to do. But especially that you may prophesy for he who speaks in, in what? In a tongue does not speak to men, but to who? Okay? Well, what is he talking about there? Who speaks in a tongue? Well, there was a lot of speaking going on in the Corinthian church, and no one understood it. And they didn't know that this was generated by the Holy Spirit. And they couldn't put a name on this language because there was nothing that they had ever heard. There wasn't a language of strangers coming into town. And this language was different than the day of Pentecost. Of course, they weren't there during Pentecost. This is all different. And so he's going to describe to you and I where is this coming from? For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. First of all, there must be a language that's generated by the Holy Spirit in us that's not from men, but for God. It's coming out of you, the vessel of the Holy Spirit. It's coming out of you, and it's going directly to who? To God. So you're speaking to God, for no one understands him. However, the Spirit, he speaks, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. So as he's speaking this, this language, nobody around knows what he's saying. No one's understanding it. Hmm. Yes, sir. Uh, 
I don't know if I read it somewhere or something, but not even Satan knows. Not even Satan. Not even. And that's why when I was a pastor in Germany years back, Holy Spirit had me to correct those young ladies that thought it was a, a funny thing, getting on the phone and calling, oh, I did, did, did. No, uh, we're going to see something here. And he's going to tell you and I that, but he who's prophesied speak edification. In other words, you're now speaking where people can understand you. Okay, when you're prophesying, you're building people up and exhorting them and comfort to men. Then in verse 4, we say, He who speaks in a tongue edifies who? Himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. So there's a difference. I'm, right now, I'm prophesying. I'm giving you the word of God. You understand what I'm saying. I'm building you up in the word of God. I'm encouraging you in the word of God. Amen. Yeah. But if I start speaking this tongue that he's talking about, now this is different. This language, you're, you're hearing me say words, but you don't know what I'm saying. So as you're hearing that, it, it, it has no benefit to you. Because you don't understand it. Because you don't understand it. So I'm not building you up. You're hearing me saying these funny mixed words and... That's it. Right. But in a lot of cases when they do this in church, people go, amen, yeah, hallelujah. But what is he saying? Not even a child. The rule of thumb, if, if a stranger comes through the door, you need to be, under, be able to understand what you're saying. Even a child needs to understand what you're saying. And so Paul is saying it's only benefit to your spirit because it originated from your spirit to God by the Holy Spirit. So you're the only one that's getting built up. Okay. So the Corinthians had a language that they didn't even, they were not aware of the importance of it. As the language was generated in them by the Holy Spirit. They didn't know what this was. So I guess there was a lot of speaking in this tongue and they did not know what was going on. Because obviously it was an issue because the Apostle Paul had to address it. Okay. And then he goes on to tell you and I, in the next area here, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. Okay, I wish you had this, I hear people call it this heavenly prayer language, but that's not the focus here. I wish that you all could prophesy. That means that you can speak a word, the word of God to someone, where everybody can understand it. Okay, that's what's important here, that you all are able to speak the word of God to somebody and they understand it. But if you start, what if you go out in a crowd of people and you start speaking this, this unknown tongue? People are going to look at you like, uh, what is he saying? What's wrong with him? Who's he talking to? Okay, who's he talking to? What's he talking about? What are you saying, you you idiot? You remember during the day of Pentecost, they thought the apostles, the, all the disciples were drunk. Mm -hmm. Okay? But that wasn't an unknown tongue because even though they heard them going through the language, then they realized, wait a minute, I just understood what he said. Mm -hmm. 
That's bigger than our own language. Okay? But this is not like that. Very sensitive issue. The Holy Spirit wanted Paul to clarify. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with what? With tongues. So the greater one here, if Zora can get up and give a word of encouragement from the word of God, she's prophesying. Arve can get up and do that. He's prophesying. People understand him. He's building people up. Okay? But if Arve gets up and he starts speaking this unknown tongue, okay, this tongue that nobody is aware of, its meaning and definitions, Maybe. he haven't done anybody any good. Maybe. Okay? So the greater one is not the one that can get up and speak in tongues. The one who's get up and prophesy and able to move people's hearts to Jesus because they understand the message. Yeah, he'll get to that part in a moment. But right now he's saying, Deacon, when you stand up, you, you prophesy. And the prophesying that you're doing, prophesying that you're doing, is the message that people can understand you. So he will speak with tongues and say, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Now I've seen this happen. Um, the sister from Mo Kelly. Kelly. She has this gift. She speaks with the tongue, and then the Holy Spirit gives her the ability to interpret it. I first seen that as a young Christian man in the Oldest Church of God. Brother Phil, in fact, the pastor, Pastor Joseph, Joseph Rowe, had that same gift too. <laughs> Speaking tongues, and everybody listening like, whoa. And then he turned around and gives the interpretation, the understanding of it, what was just said. We had a, a, a music leader in Germany, Randy, Sister Randy, had that gift too. She was speaking tongue, and then she would turn around and interpret. I think she was the only one in the church that had that gift. I didn't have it. Not the interpretation part. I, had, I still have the gift of speaking in tongue. But I don't have the gift of interpreting. And so at the pastor's meeting last month, sitting in here, a brother at one of the you know, the guidance of the Holy Spirit spoke in tongues, and then he turned around and gave the interpretation. And it was a message from God to me. And I sat there, and I was blown away. I just got a personal message from God. So, whew, blew my mind. Um, so, verse 6, But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, in other words, so that you can know what I'm saying, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? So what good is it for me to come to you and speak in tongues and nobody understand me? <laughs> okay? Unless I know what I'm speaking, unless I know what I'm speaking about, unless I got a word from God, Okay, how are you going to know? How are you going to be moved to, to change your life? Because build up means that God is growing you. That means you some things have to be adjusted in your life. Okay, some changes has to be made. Internal changes. And at that time, internal changes also can lead to what? Physical changes. When we get to that part in Acts where the brothers were in prayer meeting there and 
the Holy Spirit spoke and say, set aside for me Paul and Barnabas. Wow. For the work of the ministry. So that means that Paul and Barnabas at that moment, having just gotten word from the Holy Spirit himself, had to make a change. And that's when the brothers first went on what we call it Paul's first missionary journey. The Holy Ghost said, okay, I'm sending you out now. But you got to be willing. You got to be listening. Modern day churches don't like to talk about this in this respect. Uh, and I don't know why, but I think the Spirit is leading us back to this, that we would begin to get messages from God by way of tongues and interpretation of tongues. For Jesus is now moving his church in a direction. Well, he's always been moving his church in his direction, but we just hadn't been receiving. And I think now the Holy Spirit is helping us become more and more uh, in tune to what he's doing so that we can now go back to the basics of the scriptures and do these things. Okay? So, verse 7, even things without life, whether flute or heart, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped to play? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise, you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? I want to stop there for a moment. Your musician. If you got on the piano and you just made a lot of noise with those keys, and people go, what's Miss Vicky doing? They wouldn't know what song it was. Right. No melody. But if you put a melody that they are aware of, they can whip it. She's playing beautiful. It gets their attention. Like a rhythm. Yeah. And so, and something familiar, people go, oh, she's playing, she's playing Holy Spirit. Oh, whatever song that you like to play that we are familiar with. We know that. We go, okay, we know that tune. Mm -hmm. Right? Kind of like that old talk show or music show, Name That Tune. Yeah. Um, drummers. Many days, many, many, for hundreds of years, they used drummers in battle. Whenever they would play a certain rhythm on the drums, certain notes, a beat, the soldier would shift their, their formations in the battle or they will withdraw, or if they flute, or in America, they call it the Fife and Drum Corps under George Washington. When they would play the little flutes and the drum, the army would know what to do because they could hear those drums for miles. They go, uh-oh, and everybody would go to their designated area or do whatever they're supposed to do. Paul is saying, this is the same way. When you get a message from God, you need to speak that message where people can understand you. Okay, when it's coming from Lord Jesus, by way of the Holy Spirit, you need to speak it where those who are listening go, oh, okay, that's what God wants us to do. And we need to be doing it right now. Because I, I often wondered, how in the world 
that three million people hear Moses speak every time he got up to talk. Because throughout the five books of the Bible, the first five books, Moses is talking on God's behalf to the children of Israel, at least from Exodus forward, right? And how in the world are they hearing that man? He has no microphone, no speakers, none of that stuff been invented yet. But God, God added power to his voice. And also others out there were saying, oh, he said this. He said this. Probably was echoing his voice. So that the people, right. you remember when God said that he's going to come down on the mountain and to get the people ready? And he said, spend three days getting them ready? Shucks, it'll take me longer than three days. Just go tell three million people God said this. They're known for them to respond. How many riders would it have taken to get that word out to that many people? Woo! But it happened. Lord Jesus on the seashore sitting down known as the sore's cove he's sitting there and he's teaching and he gave the parables of the soil okay he gave the, the 12, 12 parables of the sore okay and that's that's what's happening God is making his voice known and and this is what Paul is telling you and I that God is making his voice known by way of the Holy Spirit and you have got to be able to speak that word where people can understand it. Okay? And if you and I are not able to do that, then we are messing up. We're missing God's mark of excellence. And God's people are not being taught. Just we're neglecting it. Okay? And this is a very serious matter. Very serious matter. Uh, and this is not something that's need to be, um, I have to be careful how I say it. It don't need to be showboated in the church. All of a sudden you hear all this speaking and nobody knows what was said. I, I, when I was in Germany, my last tour, um, an evangelist from South Africa came to the base, to the chapel. And she spoke. And we, at that same time, we had a training mission going on. So I'm in combat gear. And I come in and I sit in the back of the church. I slip in the back, pull my combat gear off. And I'm sitting. And next thing I hear, I hear tongues to my right. And the sister in Christ, the evangelist says, hold that tongue. You're in the back, hold that tongue. It's out of order. And I'm sitting there going, huh? I've never heard where tongues are out of order. But as the Lord grew me up in his word, yes, there is a place that the tongues can be out of order. Because at that time, the person is not trying to edify. King Solomon said this. A spirit out of control is like a city without walls. What does that mean? Can be very vulnerable to attacks and could also cause a lot of damage itself. Tongues out of control can cause a lot of spiritual damage and could cause a lot of spiritual misunderstanding. Okay? And so... 
it's important that we learn how from the spirit how to control that language that's going to come forth from the Holy Spirit in you. He's the one that's given it. And so I don't discount the use of tongues in the church. This church is owned by the Holy Spirit. He speaks when he wants to. I'm just a servant. I shut my mouth. Father, in the name of Jesus, the young man rung the bell and don't know why. We're asking now, Lord, by your spirit, draw him into the arms of Jesus. Um, very sensitive thing here. So he's saying about the different instruments and their sounds so that everybody can know. So likewise, you know, unless you utter, the, utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There, there are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world. Okay? Now he's talking about known languages, and none of them is without significance, oh, well, without meaning. Every language on earth, somebody is able to understand, right? And we've come across some tribes in South America that no one knows their dialect. In Papua New Guinea, it was a bunch of them. When they went there with the gospel, they had to first sit and learn and then develop a written language in order to be able to give the gospel to them. But Paul did say, of all the languages on earth, every last one of them got a, got a meaning. Somebody knows that language, right? Uh, you recall during World War II, the Navajos, radio operators, the Japanese and the Germans could not break it. And they spoke in their native tongue. Those radio operators who were Navajo Indians. The, the Japanese, <laughs> what is this? This is some new secret language? And it was everyday language for the Navajos. Yeah. It's what they grew up with. Pretty wise whoever came up with that idea. But the church is the same way. Paul is saying, unless this language is understood by someone within the church, what good is it? Okay? And uh, therefore, verse 11, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks. And he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. I mean, it's just like Zora coming in, and I speak Greek to her, and she's speaking Russian to me. And I'm going, what, 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 what did she just say? She's going to say, what did he just say? All right. Or are trying to speak Spanish to me? And I definitely don't do Spanish, but you, you can do Spanish. I don't do Spanish. I'm sorry. I could probably interpret a little bit. <laughs> but I do German. So, and I even have a problem with that now because I've forgotten most of it. So you're like a, like a foreigner, a stranger. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gift, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. So if you really want to do something, you really want to help one another out, and, and he said, I see that you have a zeal to learn, to grow, and to do, okay, for the Lord. Then learn the spiritual gifts. Get in there and have the Holy Spirit help you perfect those gifts that he has given you for the glory of God and Lord Jesus. Get in there. That's why you all see me on the Pastor Samuel, how did you do that and that? I, I hit those books, and I hit it hard. And I pull out my study tools, and now with the internet, it's easy to just go and, and look stuff up. But 
I do it with the zeal and I do it with the, the, the hunger, not only to know God better and Lord Jesus better, but I do it so I can share it even more. And now a lot of it that I do is I sit down and I just listen to the spirit. I just meditate upon what he has already taught me in the word over years. And all of a sudden I go, oh, that's what that means. Oh, my Lord. And I said, Lord, how can I give this to them? How can I share this one? Oh, not ready yet. Don't give that to them yet. Not ready for it yet. Because if you do, they're going to think you're mad. Okay. There's some things that the Holy Ghost is going to show you, and you got to keep it to yourself. Okay? Amen. Until you're able enough to understand it enough to share it with someone else. Because that means we're still elementary. What, what is the time? I don't know what the time is. It, it is? Okay. <laughs> wow. I got so <laughs> needy <laughs> to God be the glory. Well, we started late too, very late. Um, let me just do one more verse here and then we're um, be finished for tonight. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Okay? So Holy Ghost is going to give you your prayer. Uh, it's not necessarily a prayer language, but uh, the language to speak in, and it's the language of God that God understands, and not just human language, but this language is a mystery to all men unless the interpretation comes from by way of the Holy Spirit. So pray. And asking, uh, Holy Spirit, give, give me an interpretation. Let me be an interpreter of the tongue. Okay? And I did tell you all I'll stop at that verse, and I don't want to be a liar. Okay? We'll pick up at verse 14. I'll probably stop back at 13 next week, the Lord's willing. And uh, I told you all last week, this is going to be, in, be very interesting. And you got to be ready to receive what God has in store for us. What is going on with my Bible here? And any questions? Yeah. Okay. If you ask for uh, to learn how to speak in tongues, think it's proper that you should ask also, ask also for understanding. That's what he's saying. It says. If you want to do this, then ask to be an interpreter. Because without the interpreter, there's no one any good. And if, if you notice in this, he's telling you that if you speak, you're only going to be edifying yourself. But if you are around people, then ask to interpret it so that they can be built up. So they can know what God is saying to them too. Because it's, it's very important. Like that brother did at the pastor's meeting, like Kelly have done a couple of times in here. And uh, another, another part that I want to share with you all in closing is that don't take it light when a word of God come by way of tongues. It has to be a warning here. We have to be willing to obey when God is sending a message. When the Holy Spirit is speaking, that means he wants some folks to listen. And listen means not just to hear it, but to obey it. 
God don't send a, a word down for nothing. Okay? And so the word that was sent to me, I, I can't share it yet. At least in my heart, I don't feel I can share it yet. But I, 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 I'm preparing my heart for it. Because it's going to make a huge difference. Huge difference. In my life. And... Uh, It's going to see. So it was just like uh, we were talking now about uh, speaking in tongues and interpreting. Uh, when you speak in tongues, it gets people's attention. Yes, sir. It's almost like in the Bible where it says, Thus says the Lord. Mm -hmm. When you hear that, that should get your attention also. Yes. Because when the prophets of old, when they came out with that, that first opening slave, thus said the Lord. But people go, whoa, uh-oh. That's, 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 that's powerful. That is the eye-opener. It's almost like sounding the alarm. Thus said the Lord God. Yes. And when you hear tongues, oh. Excuse me? I, I heard some, like, when I went back home, mm -hmm. went to a church, it was like a lot of it. Had my own, own church. Did they get the interpretation of it? Then it's out of order. They just started. Like, sometimes, like, I remember when I was a kid, these people, like, a lady just goes up all the time just, like, speaking. That's out of order. That's. Stop crying. Like, start crying after. But that's not that's not of God. She got, nobody understood it. She wasn't building anybody up. But then if nobody interpreted, it was just noise. Yeah, that's what Paul. Yeah, like he just said, she's just making a sound. It's not doing anyone any good. When God sends a word, it's where people understand it. That's why the Holy Spirit gives the interpretation to men. I was at a church one time and somebody spoke in tongues, and then somebody else interpreted then that's okay when it's interpreted. But sure. nobody does, then that one person that was speaking in tongues would just make a noise, like like you said, because nobody knew what it said. And he's going to get to the section in this part of the, his letter about uh, the interpretation, what, how that's supposed to be done. And uh, I'm excited about us getting to that part. I believe there's going to be a feeling of God's spirit in here in people and folks are going to start speaking in tongues and it's going to be an interpretation and we are going to be built up by the Lord in this yes so start seeking Crystal, Miss Vicky, Big Brother teenagers start seeking these gifts from the Holy Spirit me start seeking okay Holy Ghost I want the gift of speaking in tongues and interpretation of it and uh, and the more I, I think I think there was occasion that the Holy Spirit did give me tongues and I did interpret it and it was like I, I, nobody whispered in my ear the meaning but I knew the meaning of what was just said and I spoke it. Huh. Wow. I knew it within me. I knew that's what was said. 
And so you can't mess it up <laughs> if he's doing it. Okay? That's how you can tell it is from God. Yes. When it's, you know it's, and you, you can't mess it up, it's just. And it surprises you, like, did it come from me? <laughs> yeah. And that's why uh, Paul said that, and Peter both said, that the Lord took holy men who were moved by the Holy Ghost and wrote the scriptures. I wonder what that was like. Uh, just sitting there and all of a sudden the Spirit began to speak to you. But then you start writing it down. One thing to write, another one to understand it from God what you write. Yeah. It's deeper than just writing and reading it. It's like from God himself. And I believe all these men that wrote the scriptures understood what God was saying to them. Mm -hmm. Because we, we like to look and, and kind of critique and evaluate and say, there's no way David would have known that he, uh, when he said, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me uh, in Psalms 22? And they said, there's no way David could have known he was talking about the Messiah, that that would happen a thousand years into the future. I, I, I now recant that and going, I believe by the Spirit David did know that. And that's why he wrote it. Because the Holy Spirit told him to write it. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then we read the rest of Psalms and find out that he didn't forsake him. Because God did not forsake his son, Jesus. Didn't, he didn't abandon him. We're talking about years later when he came out. And, yeah. And God's been seeing it all along. Mm -hmm. And the first prophet of God we see in the scripture, there is Moses. And Moses was the one saying that the Messiah would also be a prophet mm -hmm. and they say for the Lord your God will raise up a, a prophet just like me from among your brothers Moses looking into the future and he's writing this and sure enough Jesus Christ is the greatest prophet on earth that the earth has ever had I, I mean <laughs> could there be anyone better <laughs> he's a record he's God who knows what's going on more than he does and I can show you passages in Isaiah where one moment you see God talking, next moment you're seeing Jesus talking to Isaiah. There are two distinct persons talking to Isaiah, and they're both from the throne room of God. And I was looking at that one night and studying at home and go, oh my God, that's God and that's Jesus. And they're both talking to Isaiah. It freaked me out. And the same thing, yeah. I'm going, whoa. I got, like, now I got, suppose, I mean, when you see stuff like that, I mean, I mean, it really just, I don't know how to explain it. it. It touches you deeply. Could you imagine you writing that by the Holy Spirit? Yeah. And Isaiah was the one that wrote that. Yeah. And he's, God said, Jesus said, and it's like, whoa. Yeah. As we get ready to go home, I, I just, I don't think I could have held my composure if I would have been Isaiah or Moses or David and you seen God sending the Messiah here, his son, and then the suffering that he had to go through. I'm not so sure that I would have had a dry eye writing that. And Wow.
Let me turn this off here, and then if we want to reminisce, we can, if you want to go home. Because I just have the need. I, my mouth just want to flow right now. Uh, yeah, we get like that. I just want to talk about the things of God. I just want to have, you know, that casual loving conversation with my brothers and sisters. Just this. And um, I think about Moses when God had showed him the flood. When there was no a flood before or rain? How can you, how can you even think about back then a flood? Yeah. Like in an ark and it's like, what's rain? Mm -hmm. about? Yeah. And as he's seeing this and he's writing it out, and Crystal, can you imagine this man sitting as God is leading his mind to write this, the account of the flood? And his mind, Moses also was a warrior. And he know what it's like to, to be in battle. Uh, thousands upon thousands, millions upon millions of people, including little babies, drowning. Wow. And, by God's order? Huh? By God's order? And by God's order. And you have to write this account down. The God said, I'm about to wipe out all mankind from the face of the earth. Young, old. Yeah, young, old, all living things, he said. Everything that has breath, I'm about to wipe it out, except for the eight that he's going to preserve. And the animals. Yeah. In, in, the, in Genesis, does it not say that God blew the breath of life into man, but is there one that I thought I read it on a, a different Bible, but I don't think it's on this one that he breathed, breathed life into the into the animals. I, mean, I don't know. Not, not in the Genesis no, account. No. He said, um, but something that he spoke when he spoke, the animals appeared. Correct. That would be with the same breath that he blew into the nostrils. And so, yes, because God's breath is spirit. Right. So as he's speaking, those animals came into existence by his spirit, the same breath that went into the dirt, and the dirt became living. Mm -hmm. So I guess if you look at it that way, yeah, it's God, animals were God breathed. They brought forth life, God's breath, God's spirit. Brought forth life. Because you hear a lot of, uh, I don't, I hear a lot of, I don't think there's animals in heaven because God does not, didn't breathe life into them or something like that. But in the Bible it says when Jesus and the angels, they're going to be on chariots and Jesus on white horse. And yeah, it's horse. animals in heaven. Uh, yes. We, we like to take our finite minds and we like to create designs of what it's going to be like. But we, we don't. We don't know what it's going to be like. We don't. And so, uh, and so we, we, we see that, that God got it all under control. Lord Jesus, whoo. But if you can right. imagine animals in their, in their own way, they're so beautiful, intelligent, smart, and all that. If he did that here, can you imagine what it's over there? Yeah. I, 
But we're the only ones that have spirit. The spirit of life. Yeah. But it's the same spirit of life that brought them forth. The breath is the same spirit. Because uh, I didn't think animals, animals are. Then how can we take their life? Put them down? How can we take a man's life? I'm not talking about a man's life. I'm talking about put your dog down if it starts getting too sick. I know. You Again, animals, we, have, you, we have dominion. I mean, how can over we them. do that? If, they're, if they have a spirit like we do, which. That's beyond my ability to understand. Well, I'm just going to be honest with you. If God gave us they don't have a salvation over, over the animals, and then when when the, when Adam and Eve when they sinned, did God have to kill the animal to make clothes for them? Sure. Right, but it said it said they it, right. don't have a spirit that either goes to heaven or hell. No, I don't think like that. That's what I mean. Yeah. But they did receive corruptions just like we did when Adam sinned. Because yeah. remember, their nature changed too. Sent, yeah. Yeah. Well, if you think of it, uh, after the fall and everything, uh, some of those animals, I think they, they could understand or even spoke. So that, that would have to be God. I mean, you know. It's beyond our ability to really grab it. Uh, one of those questions that you can ask when you get there. <laughs> and it's probably not going to be a question you're going to ask because the scripture tells you and I that we're going to be like the angels and the angels don't ask questions like that to God. Yeah. What doesn't matter now? It won't matter. All right. Let's close in prayer. And Crystal's getting ready to go bed. Her baby's down. <laughs> They're tired. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your living word. Uh, Lord Jesus, what a joy it is to be in your presence. Uh, Lord, we're speechless when it comes to the deep things of God. Because we're such, such ignorant people. And I don't mean that at a, in a condescending way, Lord, but without knowledge. Unless Holy Spirit opens our minds to understand and he gives us the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ and the things of God in Christ. Wow, Lord, these the spiritual gifts and the tongues and all, Lord, it's just, whoo, it's just it's so complicated without the Holy Spirit understanding. It just blows our minds, as well as everything else out there that you have created with your hands and Lord Jesus, that you established for the glory of God who sits up on the throne. And we're asking you, Lord, to continue to teach us we're your lifelong disciples forever and ever. And we're waiting for that day when Lord Jesus uh, reconciled all things unto himself. And there will be no more mysteries and no more hidden uh, lack of understanding of your word because we will be with you. But until that time, Lord, we're asking that you continue to teach us, instruct us in the things of God. We love you. We know, Jesus, that you're the only way to the Father. And, Lord, we're coming upon the season in which we get ready to celebrate your death, burial, and resurrection. We ask, Father, that you help people to understand the cross. And the cross can be meaningless without Christ. It, 
It's nothing, just a piece of wood. And so we don't want people that just look at it as a piece of jewelry or anything. We want to look at it as the instrument in which you crucified your son. And Lord Jesus, the price that you you paid for our sins, that so that not only our sins are forgiven, but that through you we become sons and daughters of God, your Father. And that's the only way in which it can happen. And ask, Lord, that others will place their trust in you now that they believe in you, the crucified Son of God and the risen Son of God, the Lamb of God, and that there's no other way to get to the one true God. There's only one true God, and that's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, our God, the God of all creation. In the Hebrew, Yahweh, as we understand it in English, you're that God. And Father, we love you, and we love your Son, Jesus. We ask that by your Holy Spirit that you begin to teach men and women and draw them into the loving arms of your Son, Jesus. And Lord, bless your own name now. Glorify your Son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, to God be the glory.